Making those final arrangements after the death of a loved one is never easy, hampered even more by the trauma and cloud of grief. Randy with Stokes, Proc and Munt and the Cremation Society tells us funeral directors are experienced and their goal is to facilitate your healing. Because when there's a death, it's traumatic to most people. So we're dealing with their acute grief. One of our roles is to comfort them and, you know, and give them order where there's disorder because they don't know what to do. They're in shock, they're numb, and they need somebody to lead them down the right path. And for the most part, that's what funeral directors do or try to do. Sometimes people know what they want, but they don't always know what they need. And that's us to give them options. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media. Hey, I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk another day is upon us for Talk of the Town. We got lots to get to, as we always do, with Talk of the Town. We hope we have ourselves a good show, and I got to... If you're watching on the video, I left the screen there for a moment. I had to reach over and uh, and turn something on here. We want to make sure we give you the, the 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 best possible quality here with Talk of the Town. But Scott Montesano with you, our uh, February the twenty fourth edition. Think about it, the last edition here in the month of February. It will be March next time we chat with all of you. Hey, check out all the great shows we have. And, of course, uh, follow us on Spotify and iHeart. Uh, it's not obviously a, a local issue as we usually talk about, but definitely pay attention to what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, and, of course, we'll have impacts here locally, economically, gas prices, things like that. Uh, but just pay attention to it. Don't, don't just poo-poo it and ignore it and all of that. Uh, I wouldn't start also immediately beginning to jump to conclusions that World War III is about to break out. But, but don't ignore it either, what's going on over in the Ukraine. And at a bare minimum, keep those people in your thoughts. There are some gut-wrenching videos that are coming out from, from over there. Uh, this is why I always say history is one of those things that we need to teach more of. Because everybody's got a cursory knowledge. And one of the biggest things you've been hearing, uh, the people in your, your circle of friends want to sound so smart and they want to try to draw comparisons between what's happened and what happened in 1939 and with Adolf Hitler. Now, it's not hyperbole to draw comparisons to 1939 and saying this is the, 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 the break of, of relative peace for the last 80 years. But it's but this is why you gotta you, you gotta dive a little deeper into the history and the situation now isn't quite the same as it was back then. You've got a little bit more solidarity and larger numbers of those who are condemning what's going on. They're not just sort of saying, "All right, we'll let him have this and that'll satisfy him." And oh, okay, we'll give him a little bit more and a little bit more. So uh, there are comparisons to be drawn, but it's not entirely. Uh, the same. I, I wouldn't quite yet start fearing nuclear annihilation uh, that it's closing in. But again, pay attention to what is going on uh, over in Europe. It just 
betters you uh, to know exactly what is happening. Now, of course, we talk more local stuff here on Talk of the Town. That's why you come here, the, the hundreds of you do. And uh, first off, big event on Wednesday night. Over in Menominee, uh, Wyack women's basketball, and it was the Eau Claire Blue Golds who throttled the stout Blue Devils in women's basketball. And the Eau Claire Blue Golds will play for the Wyack Championship on Friday night. There is belief that if the Blue Golds win the Wyack Championship, they could still host the NCAA first round uh, next weekend. That would be a lot of fun. If anything else, the Blue Gold women, if they win on Friday night, a game I'll have the pleasure of being at to, to broadcast on 101.9 FM and bluegolds.com. Uh, they win that game on Friday night. First time they've won the YA championship since 2003. Oh, the, the women are the women are carrying the water for Blue Gold Athletics. That's not to say the men haven't done anything, though. The wrestling team has had an outstanding year. Men's hockey's on a heater in the last uh, month, but uh, you had the volleyball team in the fall. You, women's hockey is a national champion contender. Women's basketball doing what they're doing. But again, Friday night, women's basketball for the Blue Golds playing for the WIAC championship at Whitewater. That was a lot of fun on Wednesday night. A great turnout at the Johnson Fieldhouse of people from all over the community. Students, administrators, athletes, uh, again, fans, probably had 1,500 in there on, uh, on a Wednesday night. Very, very exciting. And that's why I say nothing pulls people together more than live events. And I'd argue sports has much more of that communal feel than even live music. Because with, with music, and, and festivals are a little different, but with music, same thing with movies, you're going and you're paying 100% attention to what's going on in front of you. But with sports, it's much more of an ongoing dialogue amongst the people that are around you. But again, I'm biased. Uh, I'm, I'm a sports guy, not much of a, of a music guy. That's good stuff. Blue gold, women's basketball, what they're doing, and just a lot of fun. Not so good is an Eau Claire area school board member in a bit of hot water. Uh, boy, I really didn't want to talk school board today. <laughs> but, but, but I had to. And this is something that was pointed out to me by, by a, a few people. And the key thing, if, if nothing else, for every one of you out there... Because y'all got social media. You guys got social media. Uh, remember, people know how to screen grab. And just because you post something and you immediately delete it doesn't mean it didn't exist. I think it's, it's, a, it's a poor play, no matter what you do now, to post something and delete. If you post something and you immediately go, ah, eh, I want to pull that back, you've got to acknowledge that you posted it. You can't, just, you can't just pretend it didn't exist because the screen grab is going to have it. But Erica Zur, been on the school board now for just a little bit. She was originally appointed and one of the appointees and all of that. But Erica Zur is on the Eau Claire Area School Board. She posted on Tuesday night blasting a pair of the candidates 
for the school board. She went ahead and blasted Corey Cronrath and Melissa Winter, stating they were for, quote-unquote, white privilege. Rather inflammatory statement. They're for white privilege and were against the district's equity efforts. Let's, 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 let's cut right to the chase. She called them racist. Now, she'll say, I didn't do that. I, you, you called them racist. That's what you're doing. That's a rather inflammatory comment to make. She threw her support behind the two incumbents running for the school board and for Stephanie Farr, one of the challengers. That part's fine. The fact that she went ahead and endorsed other people and said, hey, if you like me, vote for these people. That's fine. That's that's part of the rules of engagement. But she took a pot shot at a couple of the challengers. And I'm not, I haven't dug deep into it and seen what maybe they've said about her and all of that, but it's a pot shot. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, her post was, remo- was removed after she got swift backlash on social media. That's not surprising. The challengers, especially Melissa Winter, uh, they mobilize very well on social media. So that's not surprising. Now, again, one. Erica Zur is perfectly in her right to endorse candidates. But she did so, again, in a manner that I don't... But she, but she, while she endorsed, she didn't have to go attacking Corey and Melissa in the process. She characterized them basically in the anti-CRT movement. I mean, you're going to say, Scott, you're reading too much into it. No, 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 no. With what she wrote saying that they're for white privilege and they're against the district's equity efforts. She basically tried to characterize them in all of the viral videos we've seen of wild parent meetings in in Virginia, for instance, of people saying, I don't want my CRT. I mean, she's characterized them in, in that sort of extremist view. And if you get... People thinking a candidate is that way. And a lot of people aren't going to do too deep of a dive into school board candidates. If you get people just simply thinking a candidate's that way, it immediately gets them to say, all right, it's, it's, it's not worth it. A lot of people do not want to vote for either extremes. Most people aren't angry. Even if they're open to change, they aren't angry. And if you try to, try to classify a candidate or an opponent as being on one of the far extremes, then people tend to go, I'm not not that passionate. Erica, this is not becoming of a current school board member and somebody that's a teacher in the district. That's not becoming of a current school board member what she did. It's not. She should have just endorsed the current candidates and said why she supports them. That's what she should have done. She could have taught glowingly about Tim Nordeem, Markel Johnson, Stephanie Farr, could have talked glowingly about them. And that would have been perfectly fine. You do not have to take pot shots at other candidates when particularly you're not the one running. And I do not like the excuse I hear from some people saying, well, these people aren't professional politicians. Yeah, and this is not a a right 
to be on the school board. It is a privilege to be on the school board. Why I say, people say, Scott, why, why haven't you endorsed anybody? I, I don't endorse anybody for any of these positions because deep down, as I said, I want a mixture of a lot of people. I wish there was more people on these school boards that had more experience in volunteer boards. Sounds like a weird thing to have there, but if you've never been on a board, it, it could be a frustrating, uh, 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 rather, uh, operating a board and rules of procedure and all of that, it, it can sometimes be a head scratcher and you wonder why things don't happen, especially if you're somebody that's run a business and you go, geez, if we want to do this, why don't we just do it? But I don't, again, I don't like that excuse. Oh, they're not a professional politician. Well, how does that help out professional politicians? We've seen the mistakes they've made. I think it was these pot shots at the challengers that I did not like. And a major issue I also have, because you could say we're burying the lead on this. She challenged them, calling them white, wanting right privilege and all of that. It's a problem I have with all of this these equity boards and these blue ribbon committees that write these equity statements. These equity statements and efforts, while necessary and frankly mandatory for our society, sometimes have some bad intentions behind them. Now, again, I want to reiterate this. It's very important that we take a look at what is going on and just become aware and and always kind of question a decision here or there. Doesn't mean that things are, are right or wrong. It just means uh, take a step back for a moment and do a deep dive as to why. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you immediately get defensive at that, that's a concern. There's nothing wrong with taking a deeper dive into this. We should and must look at core issues, add more layers to history. At the same time, equity shouldn't be used as a way to fight ghosts or irritation of the present or as a passive-aggressive way to trap those you deem racist. It should not. Some people, upon deeper dives and discussion, may have feelings and perceptions that they didn't think were racist, but then after they take a deeper look, they go, hey, you know what? You know, I, I, I was just kind of going with the floor. I thought this was right, but apparently really it wasn't right. There was a better way to do it, better way. So yeah, I just do. I I just did not like Erica Zer taking those those pot shots. Uh, Melissa Winter had a a rather lengthy response on her social media. Uh, I think she still got that up. I would take a look at it. Now there are some things that I would also argue on the other side. Uh, a lot of people when it fight against equity and they get uncomfortable because they concoct in their head that this is all a method, all a, an, this is all an effort to try to, well, turn things 180. And that, well, you know, all these, you know, the, these groups that feel as though they have been wronged now think that the only way for equity is to wrong the white kids. And that is, again, there's always extremes. That's not the goal. 
That's not the goal. And I'm not going to get into a, into a conversation deeper into that. That's not the goal. All right? But I would tell the people that are maybe a little bit, you know, you know, against these equity statements and the blue ribbon committees the school board is set up and the school district is set up that they're just flatly against what's going on with the equity statements and whatnot to just, you know, you do you. And what I mean by that is, and not just p kicking it down the road, you do you. What I'm saying is take this opportunity to do a deeper dive into, into you. And how you've looked at things. There's nothing wrong with that. Quite frankly, the equity statement that the school board has had, and they've had some meetings there, it's just a grouping of words. It's, it's all just catch words. There's no meat behind what has been stated there. Uh, just be better. Uh, city manager search, uh, it'll come down to Dave Solberg or Stephanie Hirsch. We should know by the weekend, likely a pick will be made on Friday, whether we know who the person was. Uh, it'll be a matter of when the city council wants to let us know, but they will likely select uh, as early as Friday. Uh, either Dave Solberg or Stephanie Hirsch. A reminder is I've had a few more people reach out to me because they're kind of confused by this. We talked about it a few times before, but a reminder Stephanie Hirsch, while she works for the DHS, the Department of Human Services, she is new to them, been there for just a little more than a year, uh, no association with the investigation going on, none at all. So, I mean, unless, unless she's been working there and has been trying to cover things up, and that's not an accusation, I have not heard anything, you know, you know I'm just... I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't even want to throw that out there. Somebody can cut that up and say that's what I said. Uh, Stephanie Hirsch has nothing to do with, with the, the controversy. That goes back two years and earlier. Uh, so Stephanie Hirsch, the fact she's with DHS, it, it's just a bad coincidence, if you will. Uh, we'll see Dave Solberg or Stephanie Hirsch. We'll see who they select. Uh, staying with the city, City Hall, employees are returning. In the next uh, few days, uh, likely removing the mask mandate at City Hall. I'd heard that earlier this month. It's finally happening. The public should be back at meetings, city council meetings, uh, in the next little while as well. I do hope this means that city councilors are going to start showing up all the time in person. I think the current run goes until the first or second meeting in March. But once we hit the end of March, April, I I don't want to see any counselors unless they are sick doing this thing remotely. Go there in person. You got to go there in person. No excuses. In person. County Planning Commission uh, tied in its rezone vote for that town of Washington development. The county board will take it up next week. Uh, we've talked at nauseum about this uh, development. And you know what my stance is. I, I, I'm, I'm pro-development. I'm, I'm pro-development. I don't think that we should deny. I don't like the argument that this is simply because this is rural and some people don't want it that we shouldn't do it. First off, again, 
if you live five minutes away from an olive garden, you're not living rural. You want to live rural, there's a lot of areas where you can go and live in a rural area. Town of Washington, not rural. All right? It's not. But there are real concerns, and I've said it right here. While I'm pro-development, there are real concerns. We need the housing. We absolutely, positively need the housing. And I did find it funny. I, I, went, I went into the cesspool that was the, uh, the comments on, I think it was QOW's page, and uh, they referenced that there was a realtor that went on and was speaking to the planning commission and said, uh, gave this anecdote of how she had an open house and there were all these people that came to the open house, but they weren't going to buy until... You know, they weren't going to put their own house on the market until they bought a new house and, and all of that. And it just shows the supply and demand is out of whack. And people can twist things any way they want. And I love the people that really had to have spun their heads and said, well, her, her statement just proves the point that we don't need this town of Washington development because, you know, people want a house. They don't need a house. They already have a house. And they're just looking to maybe get another house. What complete asinine bull. Sit this one out. Sit, sit that one out. Okay, now, now you're just looking to argue. That's all you're looking to do is argue. You, you can't really believe that. That's how housing works. You usually have a house or someplace you live, and then you upgrade. Hopefully you upgrade to someplace else. Not everybody that goes and buys a house is coming off the street. What an asinine comment it was. Sometimes, again, I hope these people aren't the ones that are following me. You, you, you're very smart. You, you were, I talked about this on Tuesday. You're all very intelligent for tuning into this podcast. You're, you're, not, you're not some of those people that are writing on social media. My goodness gracious. We need housing. We need residential developments. Forgetting about what th- 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 this, this push there's been to try to tell everybody, well, apartments are a better financial buy for you anyway than to own a home. No, you want to own a home, all right? You want to own a home, all right? Sometimes you don't even have to have all this cost-benefit analysis for it. You want a home, something that's yours. It's not just buying a house, it's a home. Uh, we need residential developments. Just like we need more apartments, but we need residential developments. And you shouldn't be scared of expansion of the footprint because you all likely live in what was once an expansion of our area in the 60s, 70s, 80s. So I want this again approved, but I do want us to take a deep look into the future around not only that area, but other areas that can be developed. There is a legit concern that the roads in that area can't handle the traffic. They are rural roads. It's not a rural area. You're you're, again, the Olive Garden, but it's rural roads. You know, they're spending all this money to fix up Jeffers Road. You want to get ahead of the problem. There's going to be more traffic on those roads if you put that development in. You want to have some more real roads. You're going to have individual septic systems. It's not on sewer lines. That's not really city living. And I've had this confirmed by people. Again, no outside. there's going to be no broadband access. 
You haven't run cabling out that way yet. And that's going to cause problems. So as I've said, I want this development. I've given you reasons why there should be pause to it and justifiably so, but I don't think those should say, yep, we just can't do anything. That's why I've said all along that the whole argument should be, hey, if we're going to start approving these sort of things, what's our long-term future? What is our plan going forward? The other thing too is I've heard some people say, well, geez, we're going to prove this and people are going to make lots of money. That's capitalism. Don't, don't, don't hate people for making money. Okay, that, that's a big thing. Don't, don't hate people for making money. So again, I want to see that development, but we should have some real conversations over what we want to do and who has to foot the bill of that. And that may be something that us as taxpayers have to foot the bill for. I mentioned this months ago too. I said, you know, the people that are in that area, if they're going to have to take a loss, if you will, and that means having more housing come around them that maybe they didn't want, what can we do in terms of a benefit for the people in that area. As I said, maybe that is funding better roads out that way, funding out broadband access out that way, various other connections to the community. I mentioned Jeffers Road. Again, any road you use regularly is a major thoroughfare, $5.6 million project. They talked about it this week at the uh, city council meeting. That'll be a major disruption that uh, what will probably be two years worth of work split up because of supply issues. That'll be a major disruption. Ball fields out that way, residential. Some use it as a cut through between 29 and the northern bypass. But it's, it's something you need to do. Bike lanes, sidewalk going to be added. Uh, Clearwater Comedy. They've got, uh, I mentioned this on Tuesday, but we had some audio issues. Uh, they perform regularly at the Brick House. This Clearwater Comedy Group is a group of local comedians, some local amateur comedians. They they sometimes also serve as a, as a producer, meaning they bring in professional comics, comics from the Twin Cities. Uh, if I was a generation younger, before kids, I was in my mid-20s or so, that'd be something I'd be checking out a lot. The Clearwater comedy shows. You're, you're getting a lot of comedians they bring in. Some are on their way up into major stardom. Others maybe aren't ever going to be a household name, but they've carved out quite a nice career touring Midwest comedy clubs. Very good. Nice, enjoyable night. I recommend you check out Clearwater Comedy. And the Chippewa Valley Museum is hosting their 12th annual Folk Arts Festival this Saturday afternoon. Major in that is back after a year hiatus because of COVID. Uh, last year felt like we were back. We had a lot of things. But remember, not everything was back last year. You've got this. The Downtown Jazz Festival is going to return in April. Uh, I think we're going to... As nice as last summer was, you always were looking over your shoulder. You could hear the footsteps of COVID. This year's going to be much, much different. Uh, you're not last year. You even if people didn't follow protocols, you still kind of thought about the protocols. I think you're not going to see much of any protocols going forward. We, we've we've hit a stage. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I've I've heard three people make the same joke 
in the last few days. And that is uh, they had the sniffles, they were stuffed up, and they all said, well, you know, back out of retirement is the head cold. And I, 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 I don't say this flippantly, but let's be realistic. They could have COVID. They could. All right? Remember, you don't have to have a 104-degree temperature to have COVID. But I, I think you're going to start seeing people testing less for it. Numbers may go down a little bit because people also don't test for it. If they've got the head cold, some sniffles, all right, but they feel fine, they're, 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 they don't have a fever and all of that, you're probably going to see people not necessarily test for it either. I know that's a scary thought out there, but that's probably going to happen more and more for, for people uh, going forward. Uh, but that's something else for them to talk about on a national scale and all of that. Uh, when we rejoin you, it'll be March. Get ready for that. Uh, on behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody.